0: Hello, hello, hello. You wouldn't think I'd leave you right now, but uh, we're back for another edition of the Big Deep Podcast. Before I bring in my special guest, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. We can see all content. Just uploaded a video, so you can see that. We've got more videos coming up, so you can see that. Also, check out the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. and And if you like audio podcasts, spotify and apple is where you can hear the big D podcast so uh joining us from joining us tonight is my friend kyle Sandra. kyle uh how things going uh, in your neck of the woods
1: uh doing great dylan i mean sports wise up in canada we've recently had the uh men's uh national curly championship the the briar uh and uh what a win by Brad Gushu winning his uh fourth Briar title. And uh with with this this whole team, Mark Nichols, Brett Gallant, Jeff Walker. Uh it's funny, Brad Gushu. You know, he's been competing at the Briar on the on the professional tour since the the early 2000s. And it took him basically, I think he didn't win a Briar until his like 14th or 15th appearance. And now he's won four of the last. 5 for the last 6 so uh, what a what a, a great uh, run for Brad Gushue won the Olympic trial back in December representing Canada at the Olympics that team uh, won the bronze medal obviously not the the gold they wanted but uh yeah, the uh, career of Brad Gushu, which actually funny, I've started with an Olympic gold medal. He and Mark Nichols back in 2006. So they had that checked off the list. But then they took that Briar title forever. So that was a uh, that's basically what the sports I've been watching this weekend. And then, oh, yeah, NFL free agency, man. Wow. What what a what a like now, basically almost almost a week and a half now of crazy NFL news.
0: Yeah, seemingly like there's an uns like there's a full on gas pedal with these moves because basically if you don't make if you don't get these guys you're not getting these guys.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think. uh I mean, the, the, everything starts with the quarterbacks, right? And and uh, it seemed that there are three big quarterbacks on on the market. Two of them now seem to be off the market. Uh Yes, the big the big move was the Russell Wilson trade, though the uh, Denver Broncos giving up two firsts, two seconds. And like I, you'll say two starters for sure. Uh, Drew Locke was involved in the trade as well, but Noah Fant, a tight end, Shelby Harris, defensive lineman. Those are t- two starters in your lineup as well as uh, you know, among those picks the ninth overall pick. So certainly a, a big investment by Denver to make and a big haul for Seattle to receive.
0: So what do you think about the quarterback moves that have taken place for? Well, obviously, I mean, with your shirt being a Green Bay Packer guy, I'm sure you were ecstatic to hear about Green Bay
1: keeping Aaron Rodgers in the fold. Absolutely. And I think, honestly, the most exciting thing about this extension is also finding out the the, the details of the contract, um, especially of note is the, the cap hits for, for this year especially only 28.53 million and that's it's up there for quarterbacks but not quite to the the you know say Russell Wilson who's well into the 30 millions so from what i i it looks like uh basically it'll be f- uh f- you know four years added to the contract after this 2022 season but certainly uh f- um you know basically basically he'll be guaranteed to almost be there until 2025 there's a year in 2026 Uh, that, uh, by that point, the cap hits up to like the $53 million, but they can save some of it, but up until then it's going to be losses every time. So great for right now, only 28 million, but it does escalate rather quickly, uh, contract wise, at least according to spot track. So, uh, up into the thirties next year and up to $40 million cap in 2024, you know, the NFL kind of expecting to see extra revenue. Maybe the salary cap goes up, uh, significantly enough to, uh, ease that in but yeah it's uh definitely to make it work better right now and because like, the packers weren't in the best cap situation entering this free agency so deal is structured in a way where it is kind of backloaded in, in that sense although he does get apparently gets a lot of cash up front for doing it but it's a signing bonus so you can kind of flush that out different years the cap even though you it a lot of it up front so uh yeah, you know, it, it good. Actually, good thing the Packers put all those shares for sale last year because they did have the kind of the cash up front to kind of do that. The the Devonte Adams franchise tag as well. So, uh, you know, the the you know the caps you can make gymnastics with, but you also do need real cash flow coming in 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 dollars to kind of make some of these trades work. And that's where, at times, some tra- teams are limited. I guess the most famous example of that seems to be khalil Mack. if you remember back a couple of years ago where you know they could have made the cap hit work but like to, for what he wanted contract wise and the guarantees the raiders like legit uh didn't have the actual money to be able to make it work they were still kind of trying to finalize everything to get to vegas and like now that they're there now now that the, the kind of the, you know the, the franchise earnings have gone up to where you could afford that but you couldn't back then so uh, yeah, good Good for the Packers to make it done. because not not the most obvious and easy situation, certainly.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to me that Green Bay not only kept Aaron Rodgers, but gave him a huge new contract. Because when you think of Green Bay, the Packers haven't been a big spender in free agency, have historically used the NFL draft more than just about – I mean, Green Bay and Pittsburgh seemingly use the draft more than any other team's.
1: Yeah. Draft and retain your own players. Right. And that's something that they've, they've always been more willing to, you know, pay, pay their own pending free agents and get get those guys locked up as opposed to dive into the free agent market. That is one thing, you know, Brian Gutekinds, I I think not every decision to agree with, but I think his willingness to go into free agency and and go outside the team to get upgrades Uh, a couple of years ago, it was uh, Preston Smith, Zedarius Smith. And those two things really worked out. I know, uh, unfortunately cap complications, they did just have to release Zadarius Darius Smith. That seemed like a obvious thing. I know they saved just like about 15 million more than half of what his contract was just by releasing him. So they kind of had to do that as a way to kind of help get under, but uh, certainly a couple of great seasons, especially that uh, 2019 season where my co-host on the full press Packers pod, uh, Jesse Hall and I, we both uh, say that Zadarius Darius Smith was the team MVP in 2019. Uh, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers back-to-back MVPs 2020 and 2021, but 2019, not so dominant of a season from Aaron Rodgers. I I think he, I don't, I think he failed to hit 30 touchdowns actually. If I remember correctly, I think it was, you know, I think he only threw like two or three interceptions of course, but I think he only had about 27, 28 touchdowns. So it was a a down year for him. I know there's a lot of rushing touchdowns. David Bakhiari was still the best left tackle in the game, but Zedarius Smith to me was the the true uh, team MVP. So. Some moves worked and Devondre Campbell, I think, last year as a free agent got him to a one year deal, and now he's also been extended. So I think that, that was like the three biggest wish lists for me is okay, Aaron Rodgers, Devonte Adams, and Devondre Campbell, and you know, Costa Darius Smith. But I think they've been able to, you know, keep Preston Smith and restructure his contract as a way to get those three big pieces and Aaron Rodgers, Devonte Adams, that quarterback uh, wide receiver combo, and then Devondre Campbell, that quarterback on that on the defense, the the inside linebacker, the signal caller, and you know, first team All Pro last season for a guy that was a street free agent, I think into July, and the Packers kind of took a chance, and he came up and was arguably the best inside linebacker last year. So uh, I think. Uh, kudos to, to good again for re- getting Campbell last year and being able to get a good contract for him this year, the cap hit this it, it for 2022, only 4.25 million. That's, that's insane for a, a linebacker of that uh, caliber. And yeah, it'll be backloaded kind of like Rogers contract, but again, deal with that cap problem later, but it really works for this season. I was, I was curious to see, cause I, uh, when they first announced it, it was going to be, you know, four years, I think close to 40 million. Okay. ten. Pr- per average. And, you know, the cap, it isn't even half of what the average is this season. So yeah, it's going to be down the line. It's going to maybe cost more, but uh, for now, this is a, I think a great, I know as a Packers fan, I feel great about how this free agency period has gone so far. I think they can backfill the rest of their needs with lesser pieces, but to get those three guys, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Devondre Campbell uh, for at least 2022, I think is, is massive.
0: I look at what Green Bay has done, and the Packers have are clearly all in on twenty twenty two because Green Bay is going to be in the same kind of problem the Saints have been the last four or five years, where they're being salary cap. You know what? It's not. It's not if. It's a question of when.
1: And but I think easier to stomach if you've got a guy like Aaron Rodgers playing, and you can kind of constantly be competing for the Super Bowl. You can kind of justify that a little as long as the NFL doesn't have any cataclysmic events such as a, a pandemic and even that, like, you know, no, no NFL games ever got canceled because of of, of COVID. Right. So it's, uh, you know, tough to say that anything really, truly awful happened, but uh, we saw the cap kind of drop. I would maybe say a little, a little premature and fearful of the owners more than anything there. Mom. But uh, regardless of my feelings about dropping the cap, it seems like the revenue should at least be there to where you can, Always pay the bill forward, as long as the NFL keeps existing and and making money, especially with this this new TV deal upcoming in the next uh, two three years, where things should really boom.
0: Yeah. So, what what do you think Green Bay should do draft wise? Because with the twenty eighth pick, I think they all a couple key areas. One, right tackle, because you guys need Aaron Rodgers not getting any younger, and he needs all the help he can get. And two, wide receiver, because in the in the uh, division round against San Francisco, it seemed like Devonta and uh, Rodgers trusted Devonta Adams, Aaron Judge, and nobody else.
1: Yeah, Aaron Jones. Uh, it's funny because Jones has has led the Packers in receptions, I now think three straight years. A bit, you know, a big part of Matt LaFleur's offense is passing to the running back, and that'll honestly he'll probably lead the Packers or be second on the Packers in receptions in 2022. That wouldn't shock me at all, regardless of. Uh, if they do what you, what you say, and, and uh, I do agree. I think wide receiver is a big need. Uh, Devontae Adams is there, but outside of him, I think under contract, they've got Randall Cobb still. And even that, if they really needed to to get out of it money-wise, they they probably could. Uh, I guess Alan Lazard has just been uh, – Pre-signed. So you've got him, and then you've got Amari Rogers still in that rookie contract. And yeah, you've got a guy like juan free. I'm looking through their the spot track cap hits, but mostly like you know, Adams Cobb Lazard, that's your main three. Who's you know, don't really trust Amari Rogers as the fourth wide receiver in, in, in this offense? That that fourth receiver is going to get targeted enough. So yeah, I agree. A first round rookie would look great there. Um, and I agree with you that right tackle might be an issue. Uh, they did as again, Zadari Smith, not the only cap casualty. They've also released Billy Turner. So suddenly the Packers starting offensive line, uh, assuming David Bakhtiari is back healthy, he'll be out at left tackle. Uh, Josh Myers at center, uh, John Runyon jr. Uh, 2026 round pick, uh, Played a ton of snaps. He was the week one starter at left guard and and held that spot the entire year. So expect him to be the week one starter in 2022 at left guard or right guard. You know, I I expect he'll be starting at one of those guard positions. And then you've got uh, Royce Newman as well, who was a fourth round rookie last year. He did start some games, but then Luke Pat, Lucas Patrick ultimately took his spot. Uh, I mean, it's not out of the question that they could also re-sign Lucas Patrick for cheap. Uh, but likely Royce Newman's going to be one of those guard spots as well. So that leaves that right tackle spot. And again, Elton Jenkins, tremendous uh, offensive lineman, that kind of super versatile, uh, had to play left tackle last year without David Bakhtiari. Unfortunately, he also suffered a torn ACL. So missed uh, the majority of the 2022 se- or 2021 season. So, uh, and it, you know, if he does, especially if he doesn't start the year right away, they're going to need a, a, someone at right tackle to start the year. So I think long-term, eventually, you know, Jenkins, I think, will replace Bakhtiari as a left tackle long term, which again, will need that right tackle spot long term. But once those two are healthy, I actually think that's a really solid uh, duo uh, as your, your edge defenders. Now, if the Packers do find some amazing right tackle that can start week one, and he's doing so great. When Jenkins comes back, maybe you just put him at at left guard next to Bakhtiari, and you have like the the best left side possible in the NFL. I, I, so I could see something like that. Uh, so I, I also think the Packers when they draft offensive linemen, it's been versatility. Uh, they weren't necessarily sure Josh Myers was going to be the center, but then he you know he got to training camp. Okay, they they would have been fine like if Lucas Patrick had to play center. They you know you know Josh Myers played guard if he could didn't quite get it. So I think. More than anything, if the Packers do go after an offense lineman in the first round, it's okay, best available and prefer- preferably be a guy that you could almost play inside or outside, like has the ability to play tackle. And that's maybe what you're targeting. But if they want to play him as a guard, as a rookie and let Bakhtiari and Jenkins on the outside, that's a player that could also do well as a uh, from a guard spot. And that way your first round pick is in your starting lineup. So uh, I think as well as the individual skill set, that lineman versatility, I think, will be huge, especially if they go in the first round.
0: Uh, it's weird because Green Bay seemingly has either drafted defense, or the one year you drafted Jordan Love, but maybe this is the year you actually give Aaron Rodgers a skill position because, <clears throat> as you know, it seems like the N- college football is giving the NFL seven or eight first round, first round caliber receivers every year, and this year's there'll be a number of good receivers. Some. Who very well may be there at twenty eight? I think of, I mean, uh, who's the guy from Southern Cal? Uh, Drake London. Drake London will probably be gone. I think both, uh, at least one, if not both, Buckeye receivers, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, will
1: be gone. Uh, who's the, uh, the- Traylon Burks from Arkansas? That that screams. <sighs> I here's the thing. I doubt he gets past the Cowboys. Like he, he he's I don't even know if he's gonna to get to the Cowboys in the early. 20s, wait a minute, wait a
0: minute. You're saying you're saying Cowboys because Jerry Jones loves drafting wide receivers and he's an Arkansas alum.
1: Well, it, both right, because he does actually scream as a similar skill set to C.D. Lamb, right? And they love Lamb. They they feel like they could use like both of those guys are versatile. They can move in and out of the slot. I could see them kind of if if they really like CeeDee Lamb so much, I think they could really like. Traylon Burks and then the Arkansas connection just seems like that's a natural fit. If Burks fell to the Packers at 28, I'd be really upset if they didn't take him at that point. Like that that's one where I think because he, he strikes me as kind of the new age, big slot wide receivers, like the, the you know, sl- Oh, the guy's just a slot receiver. That's not the, the you know, slot receiver is not a pejorative term. Like it used to be. I think you know you can you can build around a guy like that playing in the slot, and we've seen the Matt Lafleur offense. The slot receiver gets a ton of targets. That's why they like moving Adams in, in there so much. That's why when the the Denver Bronco rumors were were kind of swirling, I thought Jerry Judy seems like the piece the Packers are going to want to get back more so than like a first round pick this year they'd use on a receiver. Just get Jerry Judy as kind of that guy you know can play in the slot. So I could see the Packers taking Burks and. You know, some snaps he'll be in the slot, but other times they play him outside. And Adams in the slot is kind of a way to get him, that you know, the 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 primary target. If you if you, you know, especially against tough defenses where you want to get the ball out quickly, play Adams in the slot. If you think he can kind of dominate deep, play him outside and then trail on Burks in the slot. So yeah, I, I could see him as a kind of a natural fit in that Matt Lafleur offense. Kind of see him though as as a natural fit in that Mike McCarthy our offense that also uses the slot receiver in a kind of a, a similar but different way different types of routes, different ways to set it up. Uh, so yeah, I, I that's why I, I think like if he falls to the Cowboys again, falls to Cowboys 24, that doesn't seem like a reach kind of like when Ceedee lamb fell in their lap, it seemed like he was maybe going to be the, the first receiver taken and he's ended up being the third receiver. And you know, the, I know they spoke pretty highly, which of course you do about your own pick. And Oh yeah, we had him as a top five talent in the draft. Uh, but like, you know, when the, when that player falls, you kind of just take it and it doesn't seem like a reach, even if, you don't necessarily need the position. So I would love Traylon Burks to fall, but I, I doubt he's there. Like you're saying, like those, you know, you mentioned Wilson, Olave, um, uh, Drake London, like any of them would be great. But yeah, I I doubt, I doubt any of them are there for the Packers at 28. Maybe that's my, you know, maybe pessimistic thinking. So if one of them falls, I'll be surprised, but I'm, I'm not expecting it. But that those seems like it'd be the natural picks if, if any of them fell there.
0: And seemingly and there'd be another wide receiver you could, we, we don't know who could shine between now draft, and draft night in Vegas.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I know there's the small school guys at Christian uh, Watson from North Dakota State.
0: <laughs> What's with all these North, North Dakota State guys making noise now?
1: Hey, they, if they keep winning national championships, even if it's FCS national championships, you got to get recognition, recognition somewhere. I think he had, it seemed like he had a really great combine as well. Like he might've been one of the, the people that most raised their stock combine wise, just uh, kind of showing that, you know, he's got the measurables to be a first round wide receiver, even if he didn't play against the competition in, in college to prove it. So that might be one where the Packers kind of see that freak athleticism and think, okay, he's raw. He needs to be refined a little more. So actually now I'm saying that maybe that's not what the Packers want to do. They they want a receiver that's ready for Rodgers. But the, the principle is you know if you have him behind Cobb and behind Adams, he has a year to kind of learn behind those guys, and year two really shines like it, or towards the end of the rookie season when they're making a playoff push, right? So maybe maybe the Packers are a type of team that can afford that. I don't know. Maybe not. But maybe they want the guy that's ready week one for Rodgers too, right? And make him happy.
0: So based on what's happened so far in free agency, I know deals can't be official until the mall until Wednesday at four o'clock, but which team do you think has done the best job, not just in free agency, but in the last couple of weeks of reshaping the
1: roster? I mean, because the quarterback is so important, the, the obvious answer is Denver, right? The, you know, the, the upgrade from Drew Locke to, to Russell Wilson is definitely worth you know, the draft picks you gave up in terms of making your team more competitive and winning football games. I think that has like the biggest impact. Um, you know, they haven't really made any other moves though. So do we give all the credit just to, for one big home run move? I suppose, The Buccaneers, I mean, like, you know, bringing convincing Brady to come back, but then the, the trade today for Shaq Mason, I know that they've had some a couple of offensive linemen retire. So to keep that unit, which is a strength, a strength, they gave up, I think, a fifth-round pick for Shaq Mason. Like, that seems like a pretty good price to pay for the Buccaneers. So almost a rich get richer in that sense.
0: I really like what, LA, what the L.A. Chargers have done because – While Denver has has gone a lot of noise with the Russell Wilson, DJ Jones, and now stealing Randy Gregory from Denver, like L.A. quietly got Khalil Mack. I'm just saying, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa would make any offensive lineman in the AFC West very nervous because blocking Joey Bosa with two guys is a pain you know what. But blocking Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa – would get me shaking my
1: boots. Yeah, I remember a Packers game a couple years ago against the Chargers when it was Bosa and Melvin Ingram, and that was a nightmare. Like, you know, Corey Lindsley's great, but he really struggled to kind of figure out where the double teams were supposed to be. They did some – like, they'd overload it where Ingram and Bosa were on the same side, and Lindsay wouldn't get to that side. So you've got, the like, them both on the same side, one-on-one against you, you know – I guess that would have been a, you, know, you know, probably Billy Turner at uh, guard, and then, uh, um, I can't, I can't remember who played tackle that year, or right tackle, but because uh, I think it was before they they'd really moved Jenkins out there, um, and before they'd really moved Billy Turner out there too. This first year, the Packers really was more of a guard,
0: and LA was not done adding defensive guys. The shortest. Added J. C. Jackson. I'm just saying, I can't you know, believe knowing them let J. C. Jackson walk out the door. That didn't make any sense. But
1: J. C. You know what? You, I think you might be right with the Chargers, actually, Dylan. Like thinking about it, like how how they've it, it's funny. The defense was kind of a strength, and they've added to it, kind of a way to keep up with the quarterback uh, arms race in in the AFC West. So that is a good point.
0: So with uh, winners, they are unfortunately losers. So which thing do you think has uh, not done well in free agency or in the off season in general so far? And, and I mean, we' barely free agency barely started. the draft's still a month and a half away. It could things can change between now and when the season starts in September?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you might have hinted at the Patriots, right? Like, just not, like, losing the players they lost. And it seemed like last year, that you know, the, the big deal of bringing both tight ends in, in Hunter Henry and W. Smith. But from what it seems like, some reports about Mac Jones, he actually prefers the the 11 personnel try and spread out the defense type of, off, uh, type of offense, so not so much into using two tight ends. And so maybe I think, okay, you needed to kind of, this year, tailor your free agent wide receivers to to Mac Jones' skill set, I, and I and I don't know, I don't think they've really brought anyone in. They're kind of running with that same group: Aguilar Born, uh, maybe Jacoby Myers as well. Uh, so, you know, I think if the limitation of the Patriots' offense was the the wide receiver core itself and how it's used, I think you needed to kind of add to that that personnel group. If if the you know the two tight end personnel isn't really what mac jones wants you need to kind of find a receiver to fill fit his skill set so i think maybe yeah just like you're saying the losses jackson on on, on defense uh, i mentioned Shaq mason on the offensive line and then maybe you yeah, had the lack of going out and getting a, the wide receivers that you, you needed because uh, here's the thing the, the jags may have overpaid christian kirk and maybe that's what it cost to, to get him maybe the patriots really want him but that seems like the type of receiver skill set wise that would fit with what mac jones wants yeah, the good yeah, guys, which in theory should be John U. Smith, right? But I guess, uh, yeah, it supposedly was really slow to learn that playbook last year. Now it's not Josh McDaniels anymore. I don't know if that's going to help him. So, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe the Patriots' key moves from last year actually pay off this year and in John U. Smith, especially. But uh, yeah, I still feel like they're, they're one wide receiver short in that receiving core. I, I like Jacoby Myers but I think you need that not, not I won't say alpha, but you need that big bodied perimeter guy. Uh, not just the big body in the middle red zone guy, like Hunter Henry, but uh, really that, that, that outside the, the guy could, that could win along the sidelines that can stretch the defense and make it easier on guys like Jacoby Myers.
0: That sure seems like Alan Robinson. If you ask me,
1: you know what? Yeah, that, that might be it. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, Patriots go and get Allen Robinson. I suppose.
0: Yeah, especially now because Jackson's got all the wide receivers we need. I mean, I mean, heck, Indy could go after him because the Colts have got more money, but yet they don't have a. Indy could, doesn't have a cornerback.
1: Yeah, uh, I think does not Marcus Mariota seem like a natural fit for that in Indianapolis offense? Oh, he's not. Nah. He's not going to turn it over much. He can kind of run behind that offensive line as well and and help gain first downs with his legs. And, again, the the identity of that line is – the or the identity of the team is the, the line and the run game behind Jonathan Taylor. And so I think Marcus Mariota seems like it's, he's a great quarterback for that type of offense.
0: Yeah, and play a lot of 17, 13 games with Taylor, a
1: lot like what the Titans have done with Derrick Henry. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, but if, I mean, if it wins games, because uh, here's the thing, I, what I don't think that and maybe, maybe there are better examples of the game manager than Mariota. But what I don't think the Colts need is the like a Jameis Winston, because I, I think with him, a, I don't think the, the passing weapons are, are good enough. And maybe you know, maybe he throws more to Jonathan Taylor than other quarterbacks might. That would maybe help that offense, it, you know, use Jonathan Taylor in that dimension is kind of the, the next level way. But I, I still fear the turnovers. And that offense doesn't need like, can't really afford to eat turnovers, right? Like Carson Wentz actually did pretty good at not throwing interceptions last year, except towards the end of the year at the worst key possible times when you're like, you know, you know, with the Jaguars. But I believe he only threw, I think, seven or eight interceptions total last year. Seven. Right. Thanks. Thanks there. So. It's just again when they happen, they're you know, end of the games at times you could have had chance to maybe win a game or two and get them into the playoffs. So they're not that far off if they could have a quarterback that can kind of manage within that. And that's why I again I think Mariota would be a good fit with the Colts. Uh,
0: I I must say, uh, usually the big saying is uh, everything's bigger in Texas. Well, everything's not been big for the Dallas Cowboys right now. Not only. Have the Cowboys said goodbye to Molly Cooper, but Randy Gregory is now off the Denver after botching that deal. I mean, the Cowboys are not the same team from that wild card game. Dak Prescott became a different quarterback, the, not the game, not the minute, but the second Jerry Jones got a Molly Cooper. And now Amari Cooper is in Cleveland for what? A bag of beans,
1: a bag of beans, and a, and a twelve pack. Depends what flavor the beans are. Those might be pretty good, but um, but it's funny because you're right. Getting Amari Cooper, it also kind of allowed Dak Prescott to elevate his game. He wasn't suddenly, you know, what we saw the first few years. Cole Beasley and, and Ezekiel Elliott, especially, heavily targeted because they're open. And he was a, a very much a see-it-thrower. He'll, he'll find the open guy quickly and efficiently and get it to that open player. But wasn't throwing a lot of anticipation balls. Wasn't throwing a lot of contested catches, which is why Des Bryant' his role really suffered when Dak Prescott got there. Now we've seen Dak get that anticipation and that timing and that rhythm a lot more. So. And and, I mean, I think obviously Amari Cooper helped that along the way, but now that Cooper has come and gone, I think those tendencies with Dak, I think, I think he is a different quarterback now than he was before. Like you're saying that the moment Amari Cooper arrived, but so, so you obviously you're losing the player that is Cooper, the great route runner that he is, but can Dak still take those things, the timing, the anticipation and apply that to, Frankly, a receiving core that he's pretty familiar with, it would have that chemistry with C.D. Lamb, Dalton Schultz on the franchise tag, Michael Gallup. We'll see what his recovery from ACL uh, surgery will be like, but I, I don't think it's awful. I still view Dak as you know you, know, I guess right now behind Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, who's the third best quarterback in the NFC. I mean, I think um, I,
0: it's probably Brady, Stafford, and Rodgers in that order.
1: It, it will and oh really you you think at this point Stafford's better than Aaron Rodgers. Interesting. Because I, I wouldn't no, 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 no I mean top. In,
0: in no I mean in any order. Okay. It's probably well, actually that is a good one because Stafford he, does have this, out,
1: he is the defending champ right now, so I think Stafford and does deserve credit as at you least also
0: look at it. Stafford threw more fourth quarter touchdowns than any quarterback in football last season.
1: Also, I think, did he lead the league in interceptions, though? Was it, you know, a little too I much mean, turnover prone? I
0: don't know. Stafford and Burrow seem through a ton of interceptions. But so what? They played in the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, right. Which shows that, how you know, and I guess it's funny, fantasy football, especially in leagues where interceptions are only minus one, maybe minus two, it's not that big of an impact. You don't tend to worry about the interceptions too much when, like, doing the fantasy analysis. And, you know, that, that year that Jameis was 30 and 30, much better for fantasy than he was in real life NFL. I mean, if, if your leagues were, you know, maybe a, a plus six minus four, okay, that's a bit more of an impact uh, harsher penalties for interceptions, but for the most part, a much better fantasy than real life quarterback. So it's funny how that does turn around sometimes, but I still think, you know, outside those top three, I think Dak Prescott's the next best quarterback in the, in the conference. And I don't think like the the gap to me between Stafford and Prescott is probably not as big as Stafford and, or sorry, and Prescott and whoever's next, like who's who's the the QB five in the conference. Right. Oh gosh. Jalen hurts. (laughs) I don't even know who'd be. Five. Kirk Cousins. It's probably Kirk Cousins, actually. Oh
0: gosh, gotcha. I guarantee you, he's making more money than him, both of us all this year.
1: But I mean, <laughs> I think Dak. I I mean, even without Cooper, I think I still prefer Dak. Maybe Kirk Cousins. Maybe Kyler. Yeah, I think. uh, I think eventually Justin Fields could develop into that, and that's a that's oh, a fear for uh-huh. as a Packers fan for another day, hopefully, because I think right now it's still the the Packers ruling the north. So.
0: Yeah, look at your, look at Green Bay's quarterback division with uh, Jared Dolph, Kirk Cousins, and Justin Fields. You should be th- you should be thankful you've got a wonderful quarterback division and not be in AFC West with Mahomes, Herbert, Russ, and Derek Hall
1: yeah i mean and i think i think i would take cousins over car but it's not like immediately obvious that the second guy in the nfc north is that much better than the fourth guy in the afc west that's like that's a good point there
0: i think i, t- I think i'd probably take cole My, might be a smidge more athletic
1: yes but i uh, i think if if you've got the perfect offense and the defense to carry you i think maybe you want car because it seems like his the, the, you know, if, if you've got like a Sean Payton, for instance, and he's everything set up for the first read real quick, then yeah, maybe I do want car over cousins, but it seems like when, you know, outside of structure, when the play breaks down, not that cousins is going to escape the pocket mobile, but he can, you know, he'll get through his progressions quicker. He'll, he'll get to the second, third read and find the open guy. Whereas car, if his first two guys aren't there, it's, it it gets really difficult. It seems like the timing's not as as key. So I don't know. I think I still prefer cousins over Carr, but if you tailor the offense to Garrett Carr, I think I could see the ceiling of of what you're saying—the the arm being there. Um, you know, again, if you you know give let him throw to Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. If you know, if you could like fuse the court like and add Darren Waller that as well.
0: Give him a half decent. Give him a half decent wide receiver. Cool. You imagine what he'd do with uh, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook.
1: And Kirk Cousins was great last year, but like he's not. It doesn't seem like he's like out otherworldly outstanding compared to when he had like maybe just Jordan Reed in Washington. Like he still managed to make that work really well. So I think he he like to me he can kind of fit in any offense. Whereas Derek Carr, it's you've really got it like the great offensive line, and you really have to make it work more. I think he, you know, he can again, I think cousins can get more for less. So that's that's probably why it's slipper for him. But again, the fact that we're even discussing that like the second best guy in the north versus the fourth guy in the in the AFC West. And we're not even really sure that Cousins is that much better. It's it's a tough discussion, kind of like you're saying, says to the the depth of of the quarterback play in that division. Or
0: maybe the lack of quarterback play in some divisions.
1: Well and I mean to be fair though, I think I don't think any division really measures up to the AFC West in terms of quarterback play. Like I think you, you look at all divisions and you kind of say like the same thing, like, okay, you maybe have one guy, like, like even that, like Brady, right. He's there. And then is Matt Ryan really your second best quarterback. Like, like that's one where I'll, I'll take Derek Carr from Matt Ryan. That, I'll probably pretty easily do that at, the, at this stage of their careers, especially, but uh, that's, that's not a great quarterback division either. And now that Russell Wilson has left the West, like Stafford's there, but then Lance is unproven. Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray is pretty good. Maybe that, that division is a bad example, but uh, like, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Daniel Jones, Carson Wentz, that great for the NFC East outside of Dak. And I think Jalen hurts maybe proved a little bit too, but yeah, I think uh, a lot of divisions are looking at the AFC West thinking, man, the defensively anyway, I'm glad we don't, uh, that, uh, that quad of quarterbacks to, to face or that trio of quarterbacks to face.
0: Yeah, So thanks so off and on, Kyle. We wish you pack as well. And uh, hopefully uh, Aaron Rodgers gets another Super Bowl ring because it's been way too long.
1: Oh, I would love that so much. And I mean, good luck to your Jaguars. I definitely like the coach they have now. And I think you know, certainly the, the the seeds of success could be planted, I think now. And, and we could see maybe some semblance of what Trevor Lawrence is expected to be. But I think I think the Peterson hire was a pretty good one. I don't, I don't know if uh, if that's a sore spot for you, if you thought that was good, or if this is going to lead to another rant before we get out. But uh, thanks for having me, Dylan.
0: There will be no rants on coaching, at least until the preseason. <laughs>